Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're all doing well in lockdown. It's not ideal. I'm looking forward to being able to be with you in person, but for now, this is what we get. So let's make the most of it. Today, the Vine is starting a new series on the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is one of the most important books, or maybe the most important book in the Bible, when it comes to understanding the history of the first century church, of that early church, because this is where it started. And the writer of Acts is Luke. And Luke is also the writer of the Gospel of Luke. And so Luke recorded the Gospel of Luke and recorded the message and the, the ministry of Jesus throughout that time. And he concludes the Gospel of Luke with the resurrection of Jesus and Jesus' ascension into the heavenly realms. And so in the book of Acts, in chapter 1, Luke starts where he left off in the Gospel of Luke. And so Luke records the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension into heaven. But in Acts chapter 1, he also gives us a few key details in understanding what Jesus did uh, with those apostles before he ascended into heaven again. And here in verse 4 of chapter 1, he says this. This is the first detail. Jesus said to the disciples and the apostles, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father has promised you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember at the death of Jesus, the apostles and the disciples, they were, they were in disarray. They had all disowned Jesus. They were all wondering what was taking place. They were struggling, they were lost and confused in trying to understand the events that took place at the death of Jesus on the cross. And after following Jesus for three and a half years, it all ended with his death. They, they didn't understand that. They couldn't comprehend what was going on. And so there, there they were, they were huddled together, probably in fear in some house in Jerusalem after the death of Jesus over that Passover weekend confused and lost, wondering what they were going to do, filled with fear, filled with doubt, mourning the loss of Jesus, who was their friend and their mentor and their teacher for all those years. And now he was dead. Everything they thought they knew about Jesus had ended with his death. And then early on that first morning of the resurrection morning, the ladies went out to the tomb and there they found an angel, and the angel had told them that Jesus was not dead any longer. He had been resurrected. He was alive. You can imagine that would have been a mind-blowing thing to experience. And the ladies would have been filled with excitement, but also maybe even more confused about what was going on. And so the ladies ran back from the tomb to tell the other apostles and the disciples what they had seen. And then Jesus begins to reveal himself to the disciples and to the apostles. And he begins to, to tell them about what was really going on. And Luke tells us that Jesus spent 40 days with them after the resurrection. And so for a month and 10 days or so, Jesus was teaching and, and bringing the good news. He was feeding their minds, he was feeding their souls with a message about the kingdom of God and what it meant now that he was resurrected from the grave and that he was alive. 
and he was also sharing with them about this new this new kingdom environment that they would be living in this koinonia this fellowship this church that was beginning at that time and Jesus he was re-energizing them and he was renewing their faith and he was giving them new insights into what was taking place that he was reassuring them that he was and he is that long-awaited Messiah whom they were hoping for but before Jesus left them he told them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait just a little bit longer until the Holy Spirit would come and this was also a fulfillment of a prophecy out of the book of Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3 down at the end of verse 3 it says the law will go out from Zion the word of the Lord from Jerusalem and so Jesus was telling them stay in Jerusalem wait for the Holy Spirit and then the church will be will start and then you get to verse 8 where he gives them their great commission it all starts from Jerusalem from God's people that he had ordained for the message and the hope of the Messiah to come now it's interesting in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 the writer of Hebrews tells us that in the past God spoke to our forefathers through through prophets and priests of many kinds through, through various people in various ways but today he speaks to us through Jesus Christ. Now that's a very important message and a very important to understand because it's a great transition between the old covenant and the new covenant. It's a transition from when God would allow his spirit to come upon certain people at certain times to give certain messages. In fact, God even spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. And God spoke through priests and prophets and kings but everyone did not have the Holy Spirit at that time that's an important thing to understand in the past and throughout the history of Israel God spoke to specific people at specific times but what Hebrews is telling us is that today God speaks through his people personally through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives and this is what Jesus was telling those early disciples. He was telling them that the Holy Spirit was to come and to indwell each one of them. And each follower of Jesus Christ would now have the indwelling of God through the Spirit of Christ, through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would come into them and dwell inside of them. The Holy Spirit would speak to them the message of God. The Holy Spirit would reveal to them the truth of God's Word. And so we are no longer dependent upon individuals and specific prophets or priests to give us the message of God. We can now understand the message of God for ourselves through the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who is indwelling inside of each one of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. This is the big transition that is taking place with that early church. It's a transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. And the Bible tells us that that new covenant was written down by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, but it was sealed through the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is sealed, has sealed that covenant 
that contract with us, a covenant agreement between God and his people that he would bring salvation through Jesus Christ, that our hope is in Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit will dwell within us, that God will dwell within us. We are his temple. We are his holy people, the Bible says. And we are where the Holy Spirit of God dwells. And the Holy Spirit is, is his seal that seals that covenant with us. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And it tells us this. It says, And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is a seal. It's a seal of the promise of the Holy Spirit in us. And so the Holy Spirit has, has confirmed and guaranteed this new covenant to us. It's a covenant that God has made to us through the resurrected Jesus Christ. But in order for the Spirit to come, Jesus had to go. And this was the message that Jesus was giving the apostles and the disciples at that time. That it was the Holy Spirit that was going to sustain them and drive them forward in the ministry even to today. And so Jesus gives them another detail here in verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in, and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's that great commission passage. It's a continuation of the great commission that Jesus gave to the disciples before he went to the cross. And here he is confirming that great commission with a few more details. He says, first of all, it will start in Jerusalem. And then it will spread out to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And this was the message that he's leaving these, these early church members, these early disciples. And so then we can track through the book of Acts, the history of that early church from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here's a quick outline of the book of Acts. First, it goes through chapters 1 through 6. In this first section, <clears throat> sorry, I've got a frog in my throat this morning that uh, I can't get rid of, so I apologize for that. But the first six chapters of the book of Acts deal really with the start of the church in Jerusalem. And it starts with the preaching from Peter and the many miracles and the messages that Peter and the apostles bring to Jerusalem. And I love what Peter says, or what Luke records in chapter 6 uh, verse 7 he says so the word of God spread the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith isn't that a beautiful passage of scripture that many people throughout Jerusalem were coming to Christ and coming to understand that Jesus was and is their Messiah and then chapter 6 through 9 begin the spread to Judea and Samaria and it describes the spread of Christianity throughout these regions in these areas and I love what what Luke recorded for us in chapter 9 verse 31 
he says this. He says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Isn't that awesome? The church began in Jerusalem, and now it's moving out to Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And the next step, the next half of the book of Acts is the spread to the ends of the earth. And so chapters 9 through 12, they really deal with the Apostle Paul coming onto the scene. The Apostle Paul was encountered by Jesus on his way to Damascus to persecute those early Christians. But Jesus had other plans for him, and Jesus changed his life. And the Apostle Paul becomes a major factor in the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the spread of the church throughout that first century to the ends of the earth. The Apostle Paul takes it. And I love what, what Luke records for us in chapter 12, verse 24, where he says this. He says, But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. And then chapters 12 through to the end of the book of Acts is the message of the spread of the early church throughout the ends of the earth. And I love what, what uh, Luke wrote in chapter 19. He says here in chapter 19, verse 20, he says, In this way the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Isn't that a beautiful message a beautiful transition from jerusalem to judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth it's this it's this picture of the gospel of jesus christ beginning to spread across the entire globe that through the power of the holy spirit indwelling in his disciples those disciples took the message of jesus and the hope that jesus offered to the rest of the world in fact historians tell us that that the gospel of jesus christ possibly went off to to India through the Apostle Thomas it said that the Apostle Thomas spread the gospel message to India even in that first century who knows where the gospel spread maybe it went into India and China and to the Far East by those early disciples even in that first century it's a beautiful picture of the message that Luke weaves throughout the book of Acts of this early church growing and developing and spreading across the world. And those apostles and early followers of Christ were witnesses of Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in, Jerus in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they boldly spoke about their faith. They boldly took their faith with them wherever they went. And I love, <clears throat> I love history. I love to learn about history. I love to read about history. I love living, uh, listening to podcasts about history. Because for me, history gives me a deep and profound sense of hope. And it gives me this hope because as you look through the stories of history, you discover that mankind, humanity, has always been messed up. <laughs> that humanity is broken and has to live within this broken world because of sin and brokenness. And that gives me hope because it's not just us today that are messed up. It is the hope that the message of God gets through. It weaves its way through all the rubbish of history to get to us even today. 
And that message will continue into the future until Jesus returns. And the, the messed up aspects of humanity, the, the death and destruction and the pain and the sorrow and the evil that exists in this world will not stop the spread of the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's why I love history. Because you see the message of the faithful people who are boldly speaking the message of Christ kind of weaving its way through all the, all the messed up history that takes place through humanity and through nations. And along the way throughout history, you see brilliant moments of incredible, extraordinary things happen within the church. And you see that God is at work in the world. And so many people spoke boldly about their faith in Jesus Christ. So many people took their faith seriously and they spoke boldly about the risen Christ. They spread the message of the risen Christ to the world. And for us today in the West, it feels like Christianity is losing ground. But Christianity is exploding in other parts of the world. <coughs> in many parts of the world, some of the most closed parts of the world, the gospel is growing and the message of the early church is still spreading even today. And Christians today are facing persecution and threats of death in order to spread that message. Michael Hansen had visited Afghanistan a few years ago and he talked with the Christians in Afghanistan at that time. But after the pull out of all the, <clears throat> all the militaries around the West, after they pulled out of Afghanistan, he received a message of one of the men, one of the Christian men that he had spoken to in Afghanistan. I wanted to read with you a little bit of that message. And I've also included a link here on the video that you can go to YouTube and watch the full message. But here's what he had to say. He said, only God understands how much pain we have and how broken our hearts are. We are crying, not out of fear, but because our hearts ache for our beautiful country. The whole world has abandoned us. I don't know what is going to happen to us, but we are not leaving the field. <clears throat> we will fight harder and continue in God's work. My heart breaks for those Christians who are going through real persecution and real pain and real sorrow in the world, but they are still speaking boldly about their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I'm shocked by my lack of boldness sometimes. Sometimes I'm bold and I take my faith with me, but other times, many times, I'm not bold. I miss opportunities. I don't speak boldly about Jesus to the people around me. Oftentimes, I keep it to myself. And so I have to ask myself these questions, and I ask you these questions. Why are we so timid about our faith at times? We're not asked to put our lives on the line like the Christians in Afghanistan. Are we so courageous in our faith that people around us know that we have a faith? Do they see our faith in the way that we live? in the words that we speak? Do they hear the message of Jesus Christ? God is not asking us here in New Zealand to put our lives on the line for him, 
but I fear sometimes the lack of pressure on our lives when it comes to spreading the gospel is actually a weakness for us. One pastor put it this way. <clears throat> he said, Satan's main strategy with God's people has always been to whisper. Don't call, don't ask, don't depend on God to do great things. You'll get along fine if you just rely on your own cleverness and your own energy. The truth of the matter is that the devil is not, <clears throat> the devil is not terribly frightened of our human efforts and credentials. But he knows his kingdom will be damaged when we lift our hearts to God. Isn't that so true? It's only when God speaks through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that his kingdom message spreads throughout the world. We can't do it on our own in our own strength. Are we dependent upon God enough in our lives to speak boldly about our faith in Jesus Christ? Do we, can we take the gospel message to the ends of the earth? to the ends of New Zealand, to the ends of our neighborhoods, or even to the ends of our street. I believe that God is at work in the world around us. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that God is working to reconcile the world unto himself. And in chapter 6, verse 1, <clears throat> the Bible says that we are co-workers with God in his kingdom work to reconcile the world unto himself that the Spirit of God is calling all people back to Him. And He's using each one of us to share that message and to come alongside people and help them. And I know that many of you can understand this and can relate to the fact that the church offers a life-changing message. I know that many of you, your lives have been changed because of that message. That message is the hope of the world through Jesus Christ. We cannot have that boldness to speak about Christ on our own. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit in our lives. I know when I'm not dependent upon God, I don't speak boldly about my faith. I don't take the message of Jesus with me to the ends of the earth if I'm not dependent upon God. In fact, those days when I don't wake up and pray to Him and read His Word and, and, and instill it, within me the hope that I have in Jesus Christ my faith is weak because I'm not dependent upon him for me it needs to be a daily experience of praying and depending upon God and allowing God and asking God to speak through me as I go about my day as I encounter the people that God brings across my path The apostles did not rely upon themselves to spread the gospel in Jerusalem. In fact, they put their lives on the line. In chapter 7, you read about Stephen, the first martyr who was stoned to death because of his faith. They did not depend on themselves to spread the message to Judea and Galilee and Samaria. They did not depend on themselves to spread the message to the ends of the earth. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling them as they depended upon God to speak through them the message of Christ, the message of hope, the message of salvation to the world. 
my prayer for you is that you will take the message of Jesus with you wherever you go and that people will know your faith and they'll see your faith and they'll hear your faith. You don't have to be eloquent in your words. You have to be dependent upon God. In fact, the Apostle Paul says this in, <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. That's my prayer for me, and that's my prayer for you, that we can rest in God's power as we take the message of Jesus boldly to the world. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the message of the history of the early church. I thank you for what those early Christians did to spread your gospel so that I could know you today so that we can know you today. Father, I pray that you'll use each one of us, that you'll speak through us, that you'll show us where you're at work and how you're inviting us to be partners with you in your kingdom work. Lord, I thank you so much for the vine and the body of believers who gather in your name. I pray that you'll continue to lead us through these lockdowns and lead us as we move out of lockdown into life as normal. Lord, help us to not just live life as normal, but help us to take our faith boldly and seriously as we take our faith to the world. Lord, I pray that you'll provide each one of us with opportunities to talk about you and to share our faith with others. I pray that you'll open up hearts and minds so that they can hear from you, that your Holy Spirit will, will go with us and be with us and lead us as we go about our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.